0: This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. Hello everybody! Welcome and thank you for joining me today for episode 29. Isn't it hard to believe that this podcast season and the year 2009 are both almost over? Where does the time go? I've decided to start this episode off by announcing the winner of last episode's drawing, Everyone who left a comment under episode 28's show notes on my blog was entered to win a skein of the Lady Godiva yarn from One Planet Yarn and Fiber, as well as a copy of my latest pattern, the Cedar Leaf Shawlette. I randomly chose between all of the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winning commenter is Beth Gourmand. Congratulations. Beth, when you hear this, please get in contact with me so I can get your prize mailed out to you right away. Thank you to everyone who entered. If you haven't won one of my drawings yet, please don't give up. I have plenty more coming and you never know if I'm going to be calling your name next. Anyways, I'm so glad that you are all listening today because I have so much to tell you. Just around one week ago now, I got to meet and talk to none other than Jared Flood in person, like face to face. Yeah, it was great and entirely frightening all at the same time. For those of you who don't recognize the name, Jared Flood is the writer of the very famous Brooklyn Tweed blog. He designs these beautiful, beautiful things, and his photography is pretty much the best I've seen. I'm sure that many of you already are fans, but if you aren't familiar with his work, you must go check it out. I'll provide a link to his site in the show notes. So, yes, basically... He's very popular in the knitting world right now, kind of like a knitting celebrity, and I'm just terrible with celebrities. They make me all kinds of nervous, and as soon as I spot one, I completely freeze and stare, and if anything does come out of my mouth, it's totally embarrassing because I turn into a bumbling fool. Every time. I tried my best to hide my nervous idiocy from Jared, but inside I was still pretty freaked out. I mean, here he was, Brooklyn Tweed, right in front of me. It was so weird. Isn't it a funny thing when you follow someone's blog for a long time? You kind of feel like you know them already, or something like they're your personal knitting friend, even though you've never met before. And I don't know about you, but it makes me even more curious about who that person is in real life. I was very happy to find that Jared in real life seemed awfully warm and friendly, very personable, which was really nice. When I first saw him, I of course recognized him since I've seen a few pictures online, but at the same time he was also really different than what I was expecting. I don't mean that in a bad way, he was just different. It's just kind of a strange experience meeting someone in real life. I just realized that you might be wondering under what circumstances I met Jared Flood. No, I didn't find out where he lives and go to his house or anything. I happened to meet him because I was at his book signing at the Loop and Leaf, which happens to be one of my favorite shops in Santa Barbara, California. All of the samples from Jared's new book, Made in Brooklyn, were there, and that's pretty fun to meet the samples as well as the person in real life. His new book that he was signing has some really gorgeous designs in it. I'm sure that most of you have seen it, but the cover hat, named Quincy is so unusual and it's such an interesting design concept. You create it by knitting this garter stitch strip, then you twist it into a mobius and then sew it together, and then the top or the crown of the hat is made by picking up stitches along the strip and decreasing for the crown. Completely fascinating. There was a sample at the loop and leaf of this hat done in this variegated yarn that was really pretty as well. The funny thing is, is that I didn't pay much attention to the hat when I first saw the book, but when I saw the sample in person and learned how it was constructed, I'm now totally obsessed and now I have to make one for myself. That's the great thing about getting to see the samples in person. The cool thing about this hat too is that it's knit out of a bulky yarn so it would go really fast. I have this yarn Rowan cocoon in my stash that I think would work very nicely for it. So that's a project that I hope to get to one of these days. Another one of my favorites in the book is the pattern Bridgewater, which is this gorgeous lace shawl out of Classic Elite's Silky Alpaca Lace. It's a square-shaped shawl with a center panel that's knit in garter stitch on the bias. Then, stitches are picked up all the way around the square and worked in this stunning horseshoe lace edging. I would never have thought of a square shaped shawl for myself, but the fabric is so light and flexible that despite its size, it can be easily worn, scrunched up, and wrapped around your neck. There is this beautiful picture of a model wearing it like this in the book. It's really pretty and also if you wanted to you could fold the square shawl in half diagonally and then have this double thick triangular shawl which would also be nice because it'd be really warm again seeing this sample in person made a big impression on me it was really pretty so um... I think I might have to make that one too Yeah. Also, as I have mentioned in a previous episode, there is another pattern in this book that I absolutely adore. And that is the laurel beret. I had had this pattern in my mental queue for quite some time. And when I found out about this opportunity to meet Jared Flood in the flesh, I just had to make a small project from the book to wear to the event, of course. So... I was just absolutely forced to go onto the Dancing U site and order two skeins of the classic elite princess to make this hat. The book signing was on a Friday, and unfortunately I kind of got a late start on the hat, so the hat was done very early Friday morning. I had cut it so close, but I was so determined to have this hat done. I ended up having to block it under a fan around 1 or 2 in the morning on Friday so that it would be dry enough to wear. Call me crazy, but I was on a mission. I was going to meet Jared Flood, and I was going to wear this hat. And I did. I finished it in time, and the hat is gorgeous. I'm thinking it was definitely worth all that effort. I hope to be posting pictures of my hat soon, but if you're not familiar with the pattern, it's really pretty. It's this twisty cable and bobble pattern that definitely keeps you on your toes while you're knitting it because every row is different. I just love the results though. I only have one small disappointment and that's the bobbles. I followed the directions in the book and everything, but my bobbles are sad, puny, pathetic bobbles compared to the plump, uniform bobbles in the picture. I don't know what I did wrong or if the instructions are wrong or what, but yeah, these bobbles they're a little embarrassing. So embarrassing that I feel the need to explain or make excuses for them every time I show someone the hat. In fact, when I saw the official Laurel hat sample at the book signing, I felt so self-conscious about my embarrassing baubles that I stopped wearing my hat. At the last moment, I actually thought twice about even showing it to Jared Flood. I don't know. If I was to make the hat again, I definitely would work the baubles differently. Can you tell that I'm... Slightly a perfectionist. <laughs> I just hate it when things don't turn out just right. The great thing about this project, though, was that I got the entire hat knitted out of only one skein of the classic Elite Princess yarn. With some despair, even. That means that this hat project can be made for under $10. That seems like a really reasonable price for a beautiful hat. Since I still have one ball left, because I originally ordered two, I'm definitely considering making the grove mittens out of the book to match my hat. This pattern grove also calls for two balls of princess, but Jared Flood himself said that, I think it was his mother, got both mittens out of only one skein. Since I know I'm a tight knitter and I have like the world's smallest hands, I'm sure I could do the same. It would be a great way to use up my extra ball. And then I'd have this matching hat and mitten set. So that actually turned out really good. So if you're interested in making these two projects as well, the laurel beret and the grove mittens to match, but you're worried about not having enough yardage, I definitely would say that you would be safe getting three skeins of the princess yarn, instead of the four that it calls for. It looks like the grove mittens and the laurel beret barely tap into that second skein. So you would definitely be fine with just one extra. Besides these little patterns that I've just mentioned, this book offers all sorts of other things. Some more beautiful accessories and some really lovely sweater designs as well for both men and women. And since this book is put out by Classic Elite, All of the patterns in the book call for the Classic Elite Yarns. As you know, I worked with the yarn Princess when I made my Laurel Beret, and that's the yarn I'll be reviewing for this episode. I guess that means it's time for me to...
1: Bring on the product reviews!
0: You know, I've heard a lot about Classic Elite Yarns in the past, but this yarn Princess is actually the first one I've ever knit with. It's a DK weight yarn, that's a typical 5 ply, commercially spun construction, and it's put up in 50 gram balls of 150 yards each. And it's pretty reasonably priced, it retails for around $10 a ball. The interesting thing to me about this yarn is its fiber content. I swear, it's spun up of everything in the kitchen sink. Well, maybe not everything, but close. It has merino, viscose, cashmere, nylon, and angora, and I think that all of these fibers combine into quite a unique blend. This yarn is surprisingly light, very lofty, very soft, and I also enjoy how the 7% angora fiber adds this really slight haze or halo to the yarn. I do enjoy very smooth yarns on occasion, well in fact I used to only gravitate towards very smooth yarns and I always thought that since they provided better stitch definition that they were always the better choice. But now that I have more knitting experience under my belt, I found that smooth, crisp yarns are not always the better choice. While I still enjoy these type of yarns for lace and textured projects, I don't enjoy them for just everything, because they have a tendency to show every little mistake. This slight fuzzy texture is something that I really enjoy about the princess yarn. It's not so fuzzy that it shows no stitch definition, but it's just fuzzy enough to be a little forgiving. And we can all use a little knitting forgiveness when working complex cables, like I did in this laurel beret. So, this is a yarn that I would definitely try again. It's reasonably priced, very soft to the touch, and comes in some great colorways. A lot of vibrant jewel tones, which really goes with the princess theme, don't you think? The color I chose for the beret is called, oh, I hope I'm saying this right, Malord's Mater. And basically, that's just this really pretty burnt orange color. It's absolutely perfect for fall. As always, this episode's sponsor, Dancing You Yarns, would like to give you the chance to win a skein of your very own to try out. Just head on over to the Dancing You site, check out the color selection of Princess by Classic Elite Yarns, and leave a comment on my blog, under this episode's show notes, telling me your favorite color. I will enter all your comments in a drawing and announce the winner on the next podcast episode. Also, for the month of December, Dancing You Yarns will be offering her entire stock of Classic Elite Yarns at a 10% discount, just for the Never Not Knitting listeners. All you have to do to receive that discount is enter in the code NNK1 in the checkout process. I really suggest that you take advantage of this sale and also enter the contest. This yarn is definitely worth a try. And remember, you can most likely make the Laurel Beret or the Grove Mittens out of only one skein. That makes for a really inexpensive project or gift. And also just to let you know, if you're interested in this book, Made in Brooklyn by Jared Flood, it's also available through dancing new yarns for purchase. And I'll be providing a link to it in this episode's show notes. So this episode's knitting story was contributed by Amy, a local listener and knitting friend. For you longtime listeners, you might recognize her voice from episode 8 where she shared her story of facing the felt. I'm so happy to welcome her back on the podcast, this time with her story of the fantasy sweater shelf.
2: I have several fantasies when it comes to knitting, but most of all, I dream of a sweater shelf bursting with gorgeously knit and flattering sweaters. The yarns are soft. The Cables and Farrell patterns are rich, complex, and technically adept. And because those sweaters are made from patterns and yarns I chose, not just some company's idea of what's hot for fall, that shelf is somehow not just a collection of the sweaters I wear, but of me and my sensibilities, my particular personality, knitting skills, and taste. The colors, textures, and possibilities for self-expression in hand-knits fairly sing aloud to me like a choir of angels every time I click onto Ravelry or go into a yarn shop. The possibilities are endless, and somehow I never cease to imagine that if I pay attention to expert opinions on fit and shape, I'll get the magic sweater that will make me look thin, tall, and technically adept. Kind of like one of those finished knitter's picks on Ravelry. You know the ones. This fantasy involves a strict moratorium on buying machine-knit sweaters, of course. If you're like me, whenever you see one of those gorgeous supposedly hand-knit sweaters in a store, you say to yourself, Ha! I could knit that. You take one look and realize it's a top-down raglan, or even a simple satin sleeve and stocking stitch, for heaven's sake, and you really can't bring yourself to pay, say, $70 for something that you could easily knit for yourself for one or two hundred And then you look at the tag, and you see that not only is the pattern pretty simple, but the yarn content is seventy percent acrylic. So you pass it by, maybe making a mental note to pick up some luscious wool, and then you drop the sweater back onto the sales table while imagining yourself knitting up a similar garment. In this fantasy, the sweater is beautifully crafted during an art film montage of various scenes of you seated in front of a cozy fire. As you exit the store, your fantasy sweater, the one in your mental queue, is already done. It was knit in soft lighting, with fetishized close-ups of your fingers gently slipping the yarn over, around, and through, like the opening sequence of a period film about a quaint circle of friendly knitters who knit, love, and save their village from certain ruin, using only their looks, their savvy knitting skills, and the contents of their spinster great-aunt's hope chest. If only reality knitting worked like that, I'd have a sweater shelf of my dreams instead of the one I've got now. But alas, the reality of the situation is extremely different from the fantasy. If only a quarter of those fantasy sweaters made it onto my closet sweater shelf, I'd be in fabulous shape. Heck, if only half of those sweaters fit decently enough to wear in public, and I mean work public, not quick trip to the grocery store public, I'd still have a really nice sweater shelf. Instead, I have basically three sweaters that I actually knit on that shelf, none of which qualify as presentable enough for work. One doesn't even count as a grocery store sweater, and naturally that's the sweater I wear most often as I swap around the house. In reality, my sweater shelf is a reflection of me, not just the fantasy reflection I wish it were. My actual real life sweater shelf is a hoary mishmash of old Banana Republic, J Crew, and gap fine-gauge knits in grays, navy blues, and blacks. Boring, totally innocuous, and presentable, at least when compared with those bulky, hand-knit beasts I wear around the house. Most are left over from grad school, which I finished about a decade ago, and which is when I got into knitting my own stuff, and began succumbing to the fantasy of that sweater shelf full of gorgeous fair aisles, cables, and the like. And yes, I did say decade, Things are getting pretty ratty up in there. But I can't buy sweaters when I'm perfectly capable of making them, can I? So I am desperately torn, fellow knitters, between the fantasy sweater shelf with the glowing fire in the fireplace and the movie montage, and the more humdrum realities of my daily life. I know those machine knits on my sweater shelf are neither terribly glamorous nor particularly flattering. It would be more accurate to say that they're not unflattering. But I still wear them on a weekly basis, because they're safe. And safe, my lovelies, has also to be a valid style choice, right? I mean, there are so many of us out there who choose it, right? But safe isn't as easy as it sounds, which is why some of those crusty machine-nits are still there. I still need them. I need them in order to maintain my fantasy, that I will, in fact, one day have my fantasy sweater shelf. And I need them so that, until that shelf materializes, I can go out into the world clothed. I can't give up the fantasy, but the reality is pretty grim. So rather than succumb to either-or, either buy a new sweater, or knit one out of skinny yarn that I could wear in public without fear, I try to bridge that gap between fantasy and reality. I would be neither practical nor fantastical. I would take a poll on my blog and have other knitters help me choose a pattern before I went nuts. They picked Martha from Rowan Magazine, a simple cotton cardigan in a softly checkered pattern. I picked a shade of green that would go with all those navies, grays, browns, and blacks without simply replicating them. It was on. I would have my fantasy and my reality, too. Light the fire, start the music, clear a space on the sweater shelf and let the knitting begin. Even when I try to be rational, though, somehow I still end up in a fantasy, or maybe I should say nightmare. I began knitting my sweater in February of 2007, and after four or five gauge swatches, I realized I'd be knitting on size 0 and size 1 needles. My so-called solution to fantasy knitting meant knitting a sweater on what amounts to sock needles. For two years, The same darn pair of socks. No art film montage can do justice to the tedium. And did I mention that it was out of cotton? Cotton, which is practical to wear, but hard on the hands, and which shows every little shift in tension. I hadn't just bridged the fantasy. I had blown it up like a wooden bridge in a World War II movie. That fantasy was dust. Instead, I was snap dab in the midst of reality knitting, and let me tell you, over two years of reality is an awful long time. Sure, I knit a lot of socks, and even a bulky wool sweater in the meantime, but the reality was that I was stuck with over two years of tiny, tiny stitches, and never did I have the joy of a cable, a heel turn, a color change, a nifty slip stitch even. Just knitting and purling in a safe, boring, checkered pattern, over and over and over. It was evil. There's no other word for it. It was just plain evil. But here's the payoff. Even though I didn't get to save the village using the mysterious contents of that hope chest, like in my imagined art-film montage, and even though my sweater shelf looks mostly the same as it did over two years ago when I began this project, the final reality is that I have an actual wearable sweater on my shelf, a real one that I can wear to work in front of non-knitters. It fits me, it fits into my so-called wardrobe, and it fits into both my real and my fantasy knitting shelf, which is totally back in my imagination. Right now, I'm imagining something in soft gray with cables, or maybe one of those Fair Isle Henleys I've seen recently on those finished knitters' pages. On the
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Amy. I definitely can relate to this fantasy. I think most of us as knitters are aspiring to this same sweater shelf. Amy's Martha sweater turned out absolutely gorgeous. If you listening would like to check it out for yourself, I'll be providing a link to Amy's Ravelry page as well as her knitting blog, in this episode's show notes. Amy is actually the one that introduced me to Ravelry so very, very long ago. So she definitely holds a special place in my heart for that. So if you listening have an entertaining knitting story or essay that you would like to share on the podcast, please email me. I'm currently booking stories for the next podcast season. Also, off-topic, But, I have another little surprise to share with you. I just happen to have in my possession an extra copy of the book Made in Brooklyn, signed by Jared Flood specifically for one of my Never Not Knitting listeners. I'll be posting a special drawing soon for the book on my blog. So, be sure to check it in the next couple of days so that you can enter to win. Again, the episode show notes, which are links to everything I talk about, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Knot Knitting, and you'll find there a Never Knot Knitting podcast listeners group if you'd like to join. And you can always contact me by email. And that's at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Join me back in a couple of weeks for episode 30, this season's finale. I will be announcing more drawings, and I'll have a special guest joining me. Until then.
1: She won't even do the dishes. The houseplants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a Until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting Making her, her husband mad. mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now it's just it. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She, she just won't, won't stop her stitching. stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project She says, just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had